Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And welcome back to the Talking Blarney podcast, where we wade through the Blarney to teach you everything you need to know about Ireland through the media and other nonsense like that. My name, of course, is Stuart McNamara, and I'm here with my faraway friend and co-host, Robert Cross. Thank you very much, Stu. Hi, guys. It's Rob here. Um, you might notice a slight difference in, in this week's podcast uh, for two reasons. Uh, firstly, we, we've managed to get the new audio equipment working fine. Uh, we were missing a very specific cable and now it works. So I'm, I'm actually using it myself. Uh, however, Stu isn't here uh, due to a change in government regulations or no longer have, uh, have any visitors in our houses. So we're you actually know, I have argued, over Zoom. I have argued that podcasting should be exempt from that law, but uh, I don't think I'm going to get anywhere in the courts with that one. I mean, even with our new setup, it, 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 I mean, we could theoretically do the two meter social distancing, but, you know, my office isn't exactly big enough. For, for yeah, unfortunately. That. Although we are literally next to a window, which I could have opened. So, I mean, ventilation, it's, it's you yeah, know, but we have to go by government regulations. and It's looking like we'll be facing a, a much harsher lockdown quite soon. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that'll be a great fun for all. Oh, yeah. Well, let's let's hope we can have a Christmas. Um, yeah. <laughs> there'll so, be no, there's uh, no Halloween this year. So, yeah, so first off, before we get into anything specific, I think we have to discuss the worrying news that a certain dolphin we all know and love, Fungi, down in Dingle, has been missing for quite some time and uh, hasn't been seen or heard from in quite some time. Yeah, well, it, it's an interesting story, Stu. So I think the news came out on Thursday um, of Fungi, the beloved dolphin that lives down in Dingle. Uh, we just need to discuss on this podcast before, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we've definitely mentioned it at some point. Yeah, but I suppose just to, to reiterate, uh, Fungi is a lone dolphin, which is quite odd for dolphins, isn't it? Um, they don't live in groups. Yeah, I mean, there's some conspiracy theories out there about it being an actual part of dolphins, but only one has ever seen at a time, which is strange. But Yeah, well, we'll have to see. But uh, Fungi has been living down there for now. There's different estimates given. It's certainly between 32 and 29 years down in uh, Dingle, around the bay down there. Um, certainly, like, through all of our childhoods, it was there. Yeah, I mean, he's become a... National treasure, you might say, and uh, definitely a, a big boost to the tourist industry of Dingle. Absolutely. And Dingle's a lovely place. I think we'll, we'll just reiterate, I think we've, we mentioned in a previous podcast that we, we had a new lad in college who did the, the actual tour boats that went out to see fungi. So, um, yeah, you know, good crack. So I think the but, first thing we need to ask everyone is uh, hashtag pray for fungi. Well, it, it, it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride, Steve. The news first came out, I think, about Thursday evening that Fungi had hadn't been seen since Monday, and there were yeah. like you know concerns because you know the lads in the boats they know him, Stu. He's also like the only dolphin that kind of is around that area, so they were like, "Oh God, we we haven't seen him in a bit. We're a bit concerned." So then the news changed on Friday to, "Oh, they've they've seen him," um, and it was like, "Oh, thank God." But the story has developed again, Stu. I I think late last night, early this morning, to. Well, they're not actually sure if they did see fungi or not now. So it, it's very much up in the air at the moment. Yeah, it's a bit of trouble, but uh, there's not much we can do about it. He, he's in our hearts and our thoughts. Yeah, I, I don't think I can take this in 2020s, do it. It's just I know, much. yeah. It's, it, it's been a, a hell of a year and this would be another dagger in the back, I suppose. Oh, it would just be too much, do. 
it just be too yeah. much. So anyway, into Uniquely Irish, where this week we're going to talk a bit about the Burren. Yes, the Burren is an interesting place. Uh, very unique, I'd have to go as far as saying, Stu. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I did a bit of research, but I couldn't see much about other places that have a similar landscape to the Burren here. I believe it, it's, it's a karst or karst landscape, isn't it? If I remember junior search geography correctly. Yeah, it's it's basically that when the the rock that formed Ireland rose out of the sea through whatever tectonic activity, it brought up a load of the seabed with it. So it's it's a massive area of limestone in his uh, northern Clare, I believe. North and West Clare. There is there. I like you know you don't want to tell someone from like Ballyvaughan they're in West Clare, Stu. I can tell you that, but it's approximately <laughs> around that area. Um, I know it quite well as we as we discussed. It's not too far from Milltown, Malby, in our similar review, the Yank. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lovely area. There's a lot of history there. I mean, I think we kind of mentioned something in it last week which is Alloy Caves where yeah, the prehistoric right there, there. bears uh, skeletons were found yeah but it is a, it's a very very different place like it's um when we did geography for our, our junior search like our junior high exams or like GCSE like 14 15 year old exams yeah, yeah it's kind of like our inter, intermediate exams like the intercert was its old name when we did geography and we did physical geography you would just be learning about the burren for a, a good chunk of it you know the the clints and grikes I think were the like the things in the ground like the was it the, the, the clints were the like the rocks and the grikes like the little gaps in between them because it, it's like um i don't know how to really describe it correctly I, i'd say like almost like the surface of the moon in places it's yeah very it, rocky but it's all kind of broken it, it's hard to say it's like rows of limestone with a break in between each one going quite flat uh, along for a very long distance and uh, well, it, but it's very it is very flat. Obviously, there's sheer cliffs into into the Atlantic Ocean yeah. parts, um, which are I suppose it is flat. It just gets very flat very quickly when you're going off the edge. But um, there are kind of cliffs and bits in in areas and more kind of loose rock. But it is very flat. And there are, um, if I remember correctly, underground rivers there as well because limestone is a very porous rock. Yeah, yeah. So what so, happens is the uh, isn't it the water over millions of years has eroded away the rocks or the limestone rocks specifically. And uh, there's like underground rivers, underground caverns and stuff, such as Alloy Caves, as we said. And uh, pretty dangerous, I suppose, uh, to be wandering around there with no idea what you're doing. But it's a fantastic tourist attraction and it's a wonderful spot to visit. It is. It's a very nice place. You you can see it in several episodes of uh, Father Ted as well. I think the one where they go pig, pig, uh, picnicking rather in um, Old Grey Whistle Peft with uh, Mr. Benson's Whistle. And they, they go out to like have a picnic in the Burren. And the other two people turn up and start giving out to them. Um, but it's it's a very, you know, unique place. I, I really can't think of anywhere else in the world that's like it. I, I mean, um, you're kind of contrasted, I suppose, in a sense with the Giants Causeway, which we discussed before, in terms of it's a kind of unique kind of rocky location. But, yeah. um, you know, very, very different, I, I think it's fair to say. Um, I'm reminded from my, my study of history, uh, something... I don't know if it was Cromwell that said this or one of his generals, but I think he, he described the burn as um, not a tree to hang a man nor a lake to drown one. Yeah, that's that's a, a pretty good summation. As we said, it, it's very flat. It's it's mostly kind of bits of grass. I mean, I know that because of the kind of the unique limestone in the in the soil and that we get species of flowers and other uh, other flora there that don't really grow anywhere else in Ireland. Yeah, it's it's very kind of different, I, I suppose, because of the conditions there. Um, but it's beautiful in, in its own kind of way, in kind of a remote way. But, uh, you know, it's worth mentioning as well that people do kind of live around here. There are farmers that 
managed to have animals here. Like not all of it's very rocky. Some there's some bits where grass does grow properly. Yeah, but um, it's interesting anyway. I, I got to say, like if you get a chance to go there, I mean, you, you don't want to spend all day there, really. But definitely have like a drive through it. Um, take a look, kind of walk around. Be very careful in some areas. Like go, don't wander off. Really, there are plenty of stories of like dogs finding little caverns and going into them people like falling through it so do be yeah, very it's, it's very not a very hospitable area but but that's kind of part of what makes it unique is that i know obviously because you can't really farm there or anything and it would be very difficult to live there in prehistoric times there are a number of um ancient historic uh not not buildings but what would you call them rob you know the portal dolmens there they're kind of just structures i suppose yeah, well yeah they're, they're they're quite interesting i i suppose it's like um a table almost I would say of rocks it's like they have a very heavy headstone they would like made it's like a large kind of flat rock kind of like in a square kind of rectangular kind of shape yeah and they would like lifted that up somehow we're not actually too sure in a lot of cases how they did it and it would be like suspended on you know three or four other kind of rocks sort I suppose in a way like not a million miles off Stonehenge but yeah not, of a not, similar not a kind but not a, not as large or anything I think you basically have two kind of rocks standing vertically and then you have one rock sat on top of them horizontally and uh from what I remember of geography anyway, is that they were built, you kind of like build up a mound of dirt yeah, and then be able to slide the rock up or whatever and then take the dirt away and the rock on top then sits firmly on top of the, the other two. You can imagine that there were probably a lot more of them around Ireland because they're not entirely sure what they were for, I don't think. In other places, they would have obviously been moved for a... Uh, more farming and whatnot. That's true. And I mean, it, it's uh, perhaps they were forgetting to the nether stew. <laughs> oh, if only that were the case. I think or... one of the Darren Shan, um, the Limerick novelist, he, he did um, not in his um, Vampire's Assistant books, but in his, his second series of books, you know, where he deals with kind of magic and all that. The Demonatra, that's what it is. I, oh, I yes. think there's one, there's one of the books which is set back, I think. It's set in like ancient Ireland. And I think it's like they're used as like traveling devices in it, if I remember correctly. I might be getting it mixed up with something else, but it's like you'd walk through one if you use magic and you'd walk out another one, like Stargate. Oh, right, like I see that, that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, as we seamlessly transition into the movie, they could also be there to hold some kind of evil entity underneath the ground, you might say. So, some kind of massive gorilla. Yeah, uh, I have something about that. So we'll jump right into the movie. This week, it is Rawhead Rex, which is the movie of... It's a, an American man brings his family over to Ireland to kind of research old ancient historical sites. And so Mostly he comes churches. into this... Yeah, so he comes to this uh, little town of Rathmorn, which doesn't actually exist. I did and, look uh, into this, too. Um, there okay. is a... There is a Rathmorn Dairy, uh, spelt differently, uh, R-A-T-H-M-O-U-R-N-E, kind of like more the, the Morn Mountains up in the... Oh, right. It's up in, it's near enough to Nuria, Northern Ireland. Um, it's, it, I don't think it's a townland, it just looks like it's a dairy, but there, it, it is there. Um, there is no Rathmorn here, it doesn't specifically say where it is, although later in the, the Garda thing, there is a sign for like uh, County Wicklow sheep dipping regulations in 1984. So I yeah. felt it was, it looked like Wicklow. I'm pretty sure it is Wicklow. I'm yeah, the, the, sure the, the movie was recorded up in Wicklow. So that uh, that explains that one. But yeah, so what happens is the, the American man is there. And uh, separately from that, a farmer is trying to pull out this uh, this large standing stone from his field. He eventually right. gets it down and that releases Rawhead Rex to wreak havoc on the town. Yeah, just to kind of talk about the very start, it's like the Yank uh, Hollander. I, I, Hollenbeck, is it? Uh, Hollenbeck. 
Hallenbeck. Sorry, he has a very weird American name. I kept calling him like Hollander, and I was like, no, I'm thinking of like Wallander, the Swedish detective. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought like the, I liked the opening scene. Like he's just there puffing away in his marble, like bombing through the Irish countryside. And there's just something like it, it felt very Irish. Like when he pulls into the the town of Rathmore, Rathmore. Um, I was like, my God, this is like an old Irish town. Like, it's got oh yeah, the... you, you can tell that it was definitely recorded in Ireland because of e- even the the scenery as they're going past it and then coming into the town itself. But one thing that I did notice, I don't think I've ever seen in Ireland, is that the town had a population sign. We don't do that here. That's a that's a very American thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, was... to their to to their credit, they they actually did come up with a be- a very believable um name like Rathmore. It's like it it sounds Irish and it, it's an it's an original one. Even like the Irish uh, Rath uh, Um, I'm not too, so Rath means fort or like fortress. We just we discussed that before. I can't find a direct translation of the second word. I think they're going to made it up. The closest thing is actually like Mura, which is like Saint Mary, the mother of Jesus. So yeah, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. But it, that that's the only thing. There is uh, Mura, which is a, an Irish similar Irish word for marina. But I, I that's a more modern thing. I don't think it means that. Yeah, no, I, I can't imagine so. Just probably something that they wanted to sound Irishish without being but, tied but to any specific town. Like was it one of Simpsons, Dunkill Derry, or some of the other ones? It's actually, oh, yeah, quite, it's actually quite good. It's it generally does sound like an Irish place. There, a couple of things I love about the town is it has the really old petrol pumps. Uh, oh, yeah, one of the shops like there, that is that's a really old thing. If you go to like some very small villages in some parts, um, so you wouldn't have like massive service stations, petrol stations, or gas stations, whatever you want to call them. Um, you just have kind of like these two pumps outside this shop, and then there might be like a little place you to pull in and fill up the car. But a few of these places still have them. They don't use them anymore, but they're just there as kind of like almost antiques. And that really reminded me of a few places. Um, what I love as well is um, I I just paused it to kind of look at the the pumps in one of the scenes where he's driving through the town. And All right, don't tell me how much it costs now, Rob, because I'll start crying. <laughs> now, if you look across to the um, the the shop there, I noticed firstly it's got the HB ice cream little round. Oh, thing on the right, side yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is it has one for major cigarettes. <laughs> As it should. It's like, it's just like I recognize that straight away because what my granddad used to smoke. Um, you know, just really, really funny. It was like, ah, yeah, this is like the the eighties, like slash early nineties, where you could still advertise that outside a shop. Yeah, now you can't advertise anything. Yeah. So the director for this was George Pavlo, uh, who directed like four movies in his entire career, and I had never heard of any of the other ones, so no. I can't really comment on that. The writer, however, as I mentioned to you last night, is Clive Barker, who oh, actually wrote the Hellraiser trilogy or the Hellraiser movies or the books, I should say. But he actually did the screenplay for this, and I think worked on the screenplay for Hellraiser as well. He did, I think. Yeah, I, I think I was mentioning to Sue last night when I I never really watched he- the Hellraiser films too much, but I did was they was they like a Clive Barker inspired video game. I think we worked out it was Jericho. Yeah. Um, last night um, on PlayStation 3, I think, which is like just shooting demons, but you have soldiers that have superpowers. And I said, like, the, the bit that I remember was like, there's one of the girls, and she was like a blood scribe, so she'd like cut herself and do magic on scrolls with this stuff. Really like edgy but, stuff, you know? It wasn't a great game. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, think <laughs> only, I think I think only rented it for the weekend, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, but I must say, like, I, I actually have been watching the Hellraiser movies kind of since we're in Halloween month, just to. Yeah watch a bit more horror and they're they're quite good i mean it's mostly like gorn as in gore porn because it like it's just people getting torn to shreds by hooks and murdered yeah. in various horrific ways but i mean it, it kind of 
it shows a lot of why Clive Barker, he actually became a very famous horror writer uh, because of those books and probably Rawhead Rex as well, which he was really disappointed with this movie. I read like he's talking about a remake of it now, isn't he? I think there's been talks for a while about that, whether it'll actually get the go ahead or not. Who knows? Hopefully they'll come back to Ireland to do it. I'd hope so. I mean, I, I, I hope, hopefully we can be in it. If they get Conor McCann <laughs> to direct it, Stu, I think, I think I'd like the tone of that film. Well, that would be fantastic. Um, Eamon Kent can be the, um, instead of the American. Oh, that would, well, he could be the, the, the priest, the mad one. Oh my God, yes. Stu, I think, I think we've just written a, the, the script right now. Let's do it. <laughs> if only. But yeah, um, I do know that he was, he was upset about the, the way the movie turned out. He did obviously write the, the screenplay for it. I think it was only the second screenplay he'd ever written because he did the screenplay for another one of his, his books. Um, I can't remember the name of it now, but they they changed a lot of aspects of the story. I know for one yeah. thing, Rawhead Rex actually looks a lot different in the book. He's he's meant to be. I would imagine so. It, it's a weird thing. It like you kind of get the the hints of it in the movie, but it's meant to be kind of a, a strange phallic story where Rawhead oh, Rex is a little Rawhead Rex is a actually, little rapey and that, does that some weird makes stuff. Sense. Well, there's like hints of it in the film. We'll we'll get to later, but yeah. Like, but at the same time, he's supposed to be incredibly tall and uh, his head is supposed to be kind of like almost deli meat in a way. It's hard to kind of describe what he wants, but that's why he's called Rawhead. But you don't okay. like, they change it completely to like this weird horse head thing with the uh, xenomorph kind of double mouth for some it reason. Like, I thought he just looked like a, a, an off-cut King Kong. Yeah, it was a very strange direction to take with something that, like, I mean, you can look up online the uh, covers for the the actual book, and it's just completely different to what you get on the screen. Yeah, it. it I gotta say, like, it's very under. Like, we'll get to it when we're talking through the film, but like, I was very underwhelmed, in particular as well, like, because you see him when the farmer fellas are like, um, uh, the two the two boyos head off because the dinner's on the table. Um, yeah. which is very Irish. I love that. And the other farmer, like he just starts digging, and then smoke starts coming out underneath this. Like they're like trying to pull this large rock, kind of just a standing stone monolith. I don't know exactly. Yeah, what yeah. And it's just like trying to pull it up, and they they can't do it. And then he, you know, the other two boys go off, and then he's like digging around, and smoke comes out, and then you actually see the raw head, and it's just like I, I think like it would have been more impactful if you didn't see him until later because. You see him like in the first five minutes, which I think is never a good thing in a monster film. And then it's just like, oh, that looks really shit. Yeah, I think they, they could have taken a leaf out of the likes of the Alien movies, where the more you don't see it, the better. Um, and just kind of like keeping to darkness and kind of seeing parts of the monster, but not the whole thing, because it wasn't exactly the best suit. Well, I mean, look at even if we go back to another Irish low-budget horror film, you know, Dead Meat uh, in Conor McMahon's fantastic direction. He, they knew they couldn't get a good zombie cow thing, so they just used, like, hooves and kind of bits, and it kind of worked in that regard. Like, if they'd done something like that for this, like, if it was just, like, all the kind of first-person camera angles that are, like, much higher up, so you get an idea of how imposing this guy is, yeah. um, that'd be fine. I just think whenever you see him on screen with that, it's... I don't get, like, scared of it, because I just think it looks funny. Like, it's just... It's hilariously bad. Oh, yeah, as I said, to, to me, it just looks like a big horse's head, especially because it, it seems to have, like, a, a mohawk going, like, down its back. Yeah, it's really weird. It's, it's like, kind of a deformed gorilla with, like, a kind of half a horse's face. And, you know, it just looks weird. But, like, not good, not good weird. Just, yeah. like, really kind of low budget. It's like this, you know, I'm kind of glad they didn't try and do, like, CGI because there's some, like, 
special effects later in the film at the end we'll talk about they're not great but you know, well, I think this was 86, so you can't really blame them too much for that. Well, I mean, Star Wars is 77, but anyway. But um, I know they didn't use practical effects. Being, being <laughs> well, there were some good-ish practical effects in this film, but I, I just think the, the, the monster itself is really, really bad. And yeah. it takes away from a lot of the impact of the film, I would, I would think. Like, even if it's, you know you didn't really see it and it was kind of in the darkness and things like that i think it would be more effective and like you only see its face and it's you know if you just saw like or just even like just red, the glowing red eyes yeah that that's what i was going to say yeah if you just like saw the, the the glowing red eyes and like the dark going through the forest and everything like that that would actually be quite effective and you just kind of see like pov shots from him and people like screaming i like, see the claws maybe like go out or something like that that could have worked but yeah like generally like two out of ten for this like costume yeah uh, fun fact about it, though, they were trying to get Peter Mayhew, who does Chewbacca, to oh, uh, God. to be Rawhead, but his uh, appearance fee was too high for them. I, I think he probably just looked at it and was like, he bloody joking. Like, like, I'll just get the Chewbacca costume painted black. I'd probably do a better job than that. Might have worked. Uh, the only other kind of big person, even though I couldn't find anything of note in them, is the, the main actor, Howard Hollenbeck, who's played by uh, David Dukes. Yeah, I, I gotta say, like, I really thought, when I first saw his name, I was like, oh, that better not be like the American, like, KKK guy, and I was like, oh, it's not, thank God. That's where I knew it from. I was kind of, I recognised the name and it sounded funny, and I was like, where the fuck do I know that? It, yeah. It's David It's David Duke, who he, right. he was um, noted white supremacist it was like literally in the kkk at one point um you know i obviously i know they're not the same person but like mate you get to like pick your name as an actor maybe don't have it so close to this guy i mean even if you're like davy dukes it'd be like yeah, that'd be all right but, but was, was he even as active at the time in 86 oh no at his height he, he ran for president in like 88 i think uh like this oh is right yeah that's his, worse no 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 i mean like as, as far as i'm aware um i'll double check this later but i'm pretty sure like he actually got like elected to some state house in like 88 or 86 so i think this is probably the worst time to have that name as an actor. yeah bad naming convention definitely so into the movie itself i wanted to ask you did you find the the kind of the direction really strange at times like you know there'd be rawhead stalking someone or something and then it would be cutting back and forth really quickly to some other scene where something else was happening yeah like i felt it, it's a the, the entire film is a little bit disjointed in a lot of places it just kind of cuts between scenes too much i think it really hurts the flow of the film like when there are bits like if they stay in one place for more than about two or three minutes some of them are actually quite good like uh david dukes the actor he's probably the best actor in the film but he doesn't really get a chance to show it until like the last third of the film um yeah he's he's hardly even the main character for the first half of the movie really no see that's another really weird thing it's like he effectively is the main character it's like when you, when you open up the film you see him having his fag and going in there you pass past his wife and kids you get the impression like this is the main guy you kind of establish oh he's a father here's his son his wife has given out that, that, that. but you know, it cuts to like the the farmer fellas. You see the priest. You see uh, O'Brien, the the priest assist. I think he's the purser or something like that in the, the church. But um, it, it kind of jumps, and it kind of focuses more on the detectives for a bit, like Gisson and all that. And it's it's just really, you know, it's I, disjointed. It, really, it is, and it's. I I think it really has to be with the direction here. It's just a really off. I think you could probably cut a better film for what was like left on the floor in terms of making it a more cohesive story. But for what's here, it's, it, it, I think it actually hurts the film a fair bit. Cause it, it's, it's, I found it hard to keep track at times. I'd like say like, wait a minute. It was, 
and then like it just cuts the like it's like where this cuts the caravan park for the first time without establishing that at all or any of the characters and it's just like wait what what what's happening here like you know yeah get to that um so i suppose we'll kind of go through a few bits from the start uh so yeah we kind of we spoke already the the farmer is trying to knock down the monolith uh to get it out of his field which of course releases rawhead um we get a little bit of an introduction to the the what did you call him the purser the the priest's assistant i I think he calls himself the purser yeah now i this is i would be like 90 percent to say this is like a church of ireland protestant thing because well firstly they're singing hymns which is not exclusively um they just kept shouting hallelujah over and over again for quite some time yeah, that's that doesn't seem that off. Um, also, it's like he described as the reverend and the style of dress he's using and everything else in the fact he's like a rector. I presume it's Church of Ireland, um, but that's fine. But um, yeah, it, it's it's actually quite a nice church, actually. I, I don't know if it, I think it was up in a set in Ardmore in studios for the, the inside bits because I don't think they'd be able to wreck a church like that. Nor would you yeah, but they, they, they did a really good job because it looks exactly like every generic church in Ireland. It does. It really reminded me, Stu, of um, we talked before about like Bunratty Folk Park. Like Bunratty is a castle out in Clare near Nut to Shannon, and they have like a folk park out the back, and it has like a recreation, like an Irish town and a few other bits. But they have an old, very old church there, um, a bit further out, which is like um, re- been reconstructed from somewhere, and it just really reminded me of that, like slightly bigger scale, but you know, it was that kind of design and everything else and has like the old altar facing away and like the little lectern for the, the priest would give the reading or whatever um so really nice i mean i think they did a very good job with it yeah it was good and you kind of from the the very start you get the the hints there's something up with the the purser lad because you yeah. see him giving like oh, the uh you see him giving the horny eyes to one of the the girls in mass i mean he's he's not a priest he's allowed to get married too well it was just the the vibe that i got you could see he kind of there was something not right about him oh no he definitely he definitely looks a bit off um, he's a wrongling, as the English would say. Yeah. So then the pillar finally falls. Rawhead is released. You don't actually get to see him killing the the farmer. I don't think. No, you don't. It, it's it's heavily implied, but you do get a glimpse of him, which is the first point. I went, oh my god, this is, looks terrible. And uh, there's a, a freak uh, thunderstorm that happens while he's being released. Yeah. So you hear this, like, so the the Yank. I'm going to call him the Yank throughout of this because I forget his first name and his last name is too complicated. But he's call him the Duke. The Duke. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm just going to say I'm calling him the Yank because everyone else Grant. does in in the film. I do have his kids' names down there. So he's like taking pictures of the the graves and everything else outside this nice church. It does look like a very nice church in in, in Wicklow, actually. Um, I, I must say they picked a very nice location. Um, then his son Robbie comes over and he's like, "Oh, we mom is given out. She wants to say this raining and everything else." And they kind of establish the relationship there. Uh, first thing, um, his son definitely isn't American. <laughs> no, I'm I'm pretty sure the kids were were Irish, probably just because they didn't want to be shipping kids across the the world for a movie. No, they're 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 both Irish. Actually, I did double check this, but I mean, I just love like he's trying to do an American accent, but because he's a child actor, he just can't. Funnily enough, the the girl. Uh, did you his daughter? Did you catch her name by the way, Stu? Minty. Minty. Yeah. Uh, which I that is a weird name. If you, if you well, I mean, uh, considering I think I have it later on in my notes that uh, the mother is a shit mother. Uh, <laughs> oh no, she is a shit mother. Oh, we'll get to that. But um, Minty, uh, she's actually Don Lunny's daughter, uh, famed oh, Irish right. uh, trad musician uh, who I met on a train actually right before the lockdown. Nice guy. He introduced the bazooki from Greek music to Irish music, or was largely responsible for it. 
I don't know if that's a good thing or a war crime, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, there, there, there you go. But that's his daughter, actually. I just thought I'd mention that. Um, her mother is actually German, so I think it might be why she has a slightly better American accent, because I, I think she actually does kind of speak English with a non-Irish kind of accent at times. Yeah. So. so speaking of the Fair graveyard, enough, but... though, did you notice the the carved pillars around? I did. That was interesting. Um, I Almost like um, Homestone kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, because those are are used later on in the film. So I was just kind of I was watching out and I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. I'm sure that's going to come up again. Yeah, it catches your eye in kind of a clever way because I think like even when the I, I will say like the while well, the direction isn't great in this film, the, the the editing isn't great. Some of the cinematography is actually quite good. I think because you you do get like a shot where like he's taking the pictures, but you can see the kind of pillars around him at different angles. So it's like he's technically the focus of the shot, but you're you're kind of you see the yeah, your eyes are drawn the to pillars. Them. Your eyes are drawn to the pillars, and you kind of, if you kind of think about it, you can kind of see the mapped out, like almost in the the formation that you see at the end of the film. So I thought it was yeah. quite good, actually. One thing that uh, I did get a good laugh at is the the wife's starts complaining about having stayed in Ireland for so long, and uh, he says it's a a half day's drive back to Dublin. Yeah, um, which okay, this, this is like before a lot of the larger motorways and roads would have been rebuilt at this point, but it wouldn't take that long. Well, if we're assuming that they're actually in Wicklow, but uh, it's just, it was a, it was a funny, like, Jesus, the the eighties must've been a terrible time if it took a half a fucking day to get to Dublin. Well, I I think it's like, it's not really said where they are. I mean, I I just know it's Wicklow because, well, there's a thing in the Garda station that says it's Wicklow. We we know they shot this in Wicklow. So I think it's like unidentified in Ireland, but even like without the, you know, the M50 or like the, the M set, like a lot of the proper roads, it would even like when we were like a lot younger, we would like be driving from Limerick to Dublin. It would definitely take about four hours, maybe four and a half. But it wouldn't take half a day. Like I mean, yeah, it was just something that I picked up on. It was seemed nonsense. Unless you're driving from like Jesus, the far like Dingle. If you're actually were driving from Dingle to Dublin, that probably would take you more than six hours back in the day. Probably would take you a good chunk of time now. But yeah, yeah. But um, I don't think they're in Kerry. <laughs> uh, we hope not. So then the next thing is that I have the, the farmhouse. Oh, I was going to say the, the, the bit where um, uh, Watson, the Yank goes in and he, he meets the, the purser, O'Brien, and that's when they have their kind of first awkward interaction. Um, oh, yeah. Because yeah. you, you remember like during the, the choir practice, like where they're doing the singing, and then one of the girls, she's up on the altar and like she drops the, the flowers because it's like, oh, my hands were burning. And then, and then after... Oh, yeah, yeah. They start touching oh, that oh, altar and it, somehow they can see through uh, Rawhead's eyes. Yeah, yeah, it, it's basically that because like O'Brien meets uh, the Yank and like he's taking pictures of the there's a weird stained glass window has like the red eyes that kind of go through and he's taking that and he's like oh I'm looking for the the Reverend and O'Brien's kind of being a bit awkward and weird with him like this is before like he's gone mad and then after he goes off to, to meet the Reverend in the rectory O'Brien like touches the altar like burns his hand and kind of yeah you know, it's kind of implied i suppose he, he kind of goes mad at this point like he has the visions of the yeah um of the monster and all that and then you know the yank goes off and meets the the reverend and he's like can i get the records and he's like oh, yeah, i'll sort that out did you meet the the other fellow i did and he's like ah oh, grand and then he goes off with the family again but i think this is worth mentioning that because um it kind of it's a point where like o'brien does go mad and but even before that you see like he's a bit off and it sets up a few bits about the altar, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's kind of more foreshadowing for later on in the movie, I suppose. 
There's something interesting as well when he's talking to the Rev. I think the Rev was played by Colin Tobin, who's a famous Irish actor. He probably would have been the biggest Irish person in this film at the time. Famous comedic actor would have been on television a lot at the time, um, playing playing the the, the Reverend who I think is actually quite like an old genteel man. Um, and two of them are talking, and he's like, "Oh, I think there was something here long before even pre-Christian." And he, and he goes, "Oh, Neolithic was up pre-Roman." And he goes, "But of course that wouldn't apply here." And I was like, "Oh yeah." Oh. I was like, good, because just to say to people, the Romans actually never came to Ireland. Um, they were certainly in the in parts of Britain. They went as far as obviously Adrian Wall in Scotland, but uh, they never came over here. They called us Hibernia, which you do see in some things now these days. But uh, I think Hibernia means like cold, wet place. And certainly if you've been a lot of scenes in this film, the wife says we came here monsoon season. I think they weren't exactly wrong. <laughs> and actually from, from my reading of... Uh little bits of behind the scenes it was actually snowing at the time for some oh, reason really? they were doing it in winter and so that they had to keep hosing down the uh the outdoor scenes just to wash away the snow so you're saying Stu, this was a film that was shot in wicklow with an american coming to ireland in the snow yeah there's some kind of curse or something there i was just gonna say it's just like chasing leprechauns yeah exactly <laughs> so you're saying it was actually a monster in chasing leprechauns that was causing all the trouble not the little people at all with rawhead rex's kids i like it we're gonna we're gonna like tie every film we watch together somehow <laughs> we're gonna we'll have to find that connection we'll find the the blarney cinematic universe now so anyway so then he goes back to where he's staying he's staying in the local pub the tall man now, Steve, yeah. I took a look for this pub, as I do with every pub and every film we watch. <laughs> right. Now, I this was obviously this is from the book. There isn't I couldn't find anywhere in Ireland that had um a pub called the Tall Man or any or men or any kind of variation of that. However, I did find an Irish pub called the Tall Man outside of Ireland. Would you like to guess where I found it? Uh my first guess would be the States somewhere. Nope. Like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. Dave. I was very surprised. I didn't know there was an Irish place here. It's in Serbia. Interesting. So I'm gonna hang on. Just want to get my notes up because I am going to butcher this. Um, I think I don't know where this is exactly. I think the name of the town or city is. And now there are certain dialectics on some of the letters here. I, I'm doing my best. Uh Karajorda Jeva. And it's in a part of it called Sid or Shid. It's got like an S with like a little V flick on top of it. I don't know how to pronounce. I'm sorry, I don't speak Serbian or Croatian or anything. I don't know what that is. But there is an Irish pub called The Tall Man there, uh, uh, which has very good reviews uh, from, from what I could see anyway. So if we're ever in Serbia, still, we'll have to hop over and say hi. Yeah, as soon as the lockdown's over, Rob, we'll book flights. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of made me think, is like we talked about like weird Irish, pub, Irish pubs and like unusual locations like an Anbator or Mongolia and all that but somehow I never thought we'd there'd be one like just this random town in Serbia but there you go but there must be who's who's going to get served a nice Guinness down there if they don't have a proper Irish bar to do it well see then I was because then I was thinking Stu did they name it after this film like that would be great think, if if they were somehow huge fans of Rawhead Rex down in fucking Serbia. Oh, because like I I I I didn't like go in and like have the pay, the Facebook page translated or anything. But I I'm I'm genuinely intrigued now. Is this like a pub that's inspired by this film? Because if it is, I think it actually would be worth the trek of going there too. Uh, well, maybe I'll I'll see I'll see how close it is to like uh what's the capital? Belgrade is the capital of Serbia. I think we'll see how close it is to get there. Right. So anyway, the next kind of big scene is the the farmhouse where we get our first kill. 
So firstly, this cottage is incredibly Irish. Like this oh, really yeah, reminds me of some country place. Even like, you know, the wife is there. I believe it's like indicate she's pregnant or something. And she's like, oh, yeah, she's definitely up. pregnant in it. Yeah. And she's like cutting up the, the vegetables and everything. And she goes, oh, the doors open. I was like, I locked it. Well, you didn't. And then so your man, Dennis, I think his name is, he goes out to check on it. And he goes in and he's like, who's there? And even though he sees like a massive like cloth slash down the side of the, the door. Yeah, the door has been smashed there. open. Yeah, and he's like, who's in there? Who's in here? And it's like, dude, I wouldn't be going anywhere near there if I saw that damage. Like, at the very least, you think it must be like a, you know, a tiger or something. Yeah, well, surely a, as, a farmer, as a farmer, he probably has a shotgun for the foxes. So he'd probably want yeah. to wander back and get that first. Yeah, I just think, like, I don't think he'd, like, be wandering in there. Because even if it's just a bunch of guys messing, it's like, dude, if they've clearly got some kind of weapon. And even if it is just a group of lads, look at your fucking gun or call the guards or something. Yeah, so he uh, he, he tries to run away. And uh, the one thing that that becomes very common for Rahid, he loves just biting the necks of people. Yeah, and just, like, killing them um, quickly. But then, like, he went off of the body. So then his wife, uh, whose name I forget, like, sees this. And she's, like, having goes nuts like runs yeah, away and screaming raw, raw head like jumps through the window into the kitchen is like chasing which I, I actually found that very funny because when he's breaking through the window it the window is very blurry compared to earlier on when they're looking up at the the broken door so you can tell yeah. that they swapped it out for sugar glass i did i did i noticed that as well because i was thinking is this like two-way glass or something and it's like oh it just the way it kind of shatters like you obviously swapped out the window frame um because like, this was shot definitely in a real cottage i would have thought oh yeah you'd have to but uh, and it was he just wrecked, uh, it, was, it was just funny and he like wrecks the the kitchen table he's like knocking all the yeah off he doesn't seem to have any specific goal he just decides to fuck shit up for no reason he's just being a bit of a dick um yeah and he chases her upstairs then and you think he's going to kill her but he like puts his hand out and he's like kind of over her tummy and you kind of get the suggestion that he's pregnant. And it- cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. He kind of leaves her off. Yeah, see, that. I think that's supposed to be more of the phallic stuff that was in the books. Apparently in the books, he, he's a bit rapey as Rawhead, but uh, obviously we don't see oh, that, he, thankfully. He's pregnant, okay, yeah. Something, it's something about that. No, that, that what it is is, and it comes up later in the movie, for some reason, his weakness is pregnant women or women in general, I think. I kind of, I'll actually talk about this a little bit later. There, there's something else I have on this, but yeah, I, I, I kind of got the impression, like, it's kind of clear that, oh, he's not going to kill her, like, harm her because she's pregnant, but she's still going to be bloody traumatized. Like, oh, wait, well, it, her... it's hard to tell whether she was just traumatized or if he had, like, driven her mad, similar to what he does to one of the guards later on. Yeah, yeah. Mate, it's kind of hard to tell. But um, so the next bit like uh, that I have down is that... Oh, sorry, Steve, I think I dropped out there for a second. 
Yeah, I couldn't hear you. Go ahead again. Grand. I'll just go. So anyway, see, the next bit I have down is that um, the, the Yank and his wife are like walking through town and she's like, I don't like this place. And he's like, oh, what do you like? And they said, rolling the face off each other. And then this yeah. owl one just comes along and just glares at them. <laughs> They're really horny in this as well, for whatever reason. I mean, like, there's a bit where like, she's like wearing the night gun going through. And, like, his wife isn't bad looking. I'll give her that. But um, Jesus Christ, like, do you have some decorum? Like, don't you? There's, a, there's like a laneway or kind of a little alleyway thing right next to you. You could have at the very least gone in there and done it. But yeah, the, the, I, the woman appears anyway. I think I, ha- I had thought about it at the time because if you remember the stained glass window the kind of figure above raw head is wearing like this like red hooded cloak i think it was probably a plot thread that they dropped but i think that was supposed to be she was supposed to be a nod to that oh i see i thought that was going somewhere because obviously they're a bit embarrassed and sorry uh, like you know, um, typically the whole Irish woman is like given out, but she doesn't say anything. But you can just tell. And then the wife goes like, "Oh, I it, like I know her or something like that." There's like some kind of recognition in there. Yeah, I thought there was there was going to be some kind of like family connection to this place or whatever that she didn't know about, and that's why she was able to to do what she did at the end of the movie. But it just, I, I think they gave up on it at some point, or it was caught. Yeah, because like the 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 Yankee like says to his son Robbie at one point, like, oh, our ancestors are from you know Ireland. They're they're from here. And then he goes to his wife. Then after that, maybe she's one of your long lost cousins or something like that. So I thought it was kind of going the direction. It's like, oh, your ancestors beat the the monster before, and you you finally come back, and it's only you can do. But it doesn't at all in the end. It's kind of yeah. It's it's, it's another thing like we were talking earlier about the direction and everything else here. It's like there's kind of bits that are a little bit developed and not really gone back to. So yeah, I'd say they had an idea there that just that, that dropped at some point in the edit. Yeah, it is. It's just not great. But I, I, I didn't think, I got a little bit of a laugh out of that scene at least. I, I just thought it was yeah. really funny comedic timing. So then we have the some friend of the farmer comes along and uh, finds that the wife's gone mad, but the body of the farmer has been dragged off by Rohead. But there's a lot of blood there. So like he he rightfully calls the guards and like they send a load of local guards in, but also like the detectives must be coming down from Dublin or the large town nearby or something. And uh Gisham, isn't it? Or Gism Gisham? Oh, I can't remember now. Yeah, Isaac is his name. I presume it must be a, he's Jewish, is is was my only kind of thought on this. Um very odd name, but he's like down as Isaac is and is like I presume he must be Jewish is the only thing I could think of. Yeah, but um, he's just going like, ah, it must be a revenge killing. And the other, the other detective's going, that had to be a revenge killing. And he's like, ah, it must be a bunch of fellas. And it's like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit mad. Um, So like this bit like where it goes to the uh, caravan park, which kind of just comes out of nowhere. Because Yeah, first, they didn't. I, I, I kind of first thought, when I first saw this bit, I was like, oh my God, it's like, it's like travelers at a halting site. And then it's like, no, and it's like, oh, they're on holiday here. But it's just like, they're in the middle of nowhere. It's like, it's not really near the beach or anything. It, it's kind of portrayed. It's, it's very far away from everywhere. So it's, I, you know, it's just, a, it's just weird. It's not really expanded. on. Yeah. I had the distinct impression that it was meant to be uh, the traveling community, but they probably were told, no, don't do that kind of a thing. Well, like, you know, they, they didn't say it, but you have um, a bunch of, of camper vans and a group of people there. Obviously they don't, put on any kind of accent to, to indicate anything different but no, uh, see, it did I, I just think it's really weird because if you know maybe it's better that I, I don't know i think it probably is cultural appropriation if you like pretend to be a traveler or something like that but like you know brad pitt doing it in the movie snatch or something like that but i 
I don't know. But yeah, it's just a bit odd. So like you cut to this bit. Like I gotta give out about this for a second. Like this little kid and he's like playing soldiers and stuff like that. And then you know, and there's a movie on, and then like his, as you find out, his brother and like a girlfriend are just absolutely mauling the face off each other right in front of him, in like this tiny little caravan. <laughs> like, yeah, it becomes a bit of a snuff film. Yeah, it's just like what? It's like, dude, what the hell is going on here? It's like I know it's a small enough caravan, but there's clearly like another room there. If you just go into the bloody bedroom and do that, don't be doing this. And like your much younger brother, and like start giving out to him, and and, and so for, for him like being uncomfortable with seeing his brother maul the face off someone, it's like, dude, have a little bit of decency. Like, <laughs> yeah, it gets very strange, and then they decide to wander off outside and lock him in. And I was like, is that child abuse? This is. Kind of uncomfortable to watch. And take his favorite toy as well. Like this is like this guy is a massive prick because you only find out he's like it's his brother later on. Um, or like, well, it has to be his brother. He's too young to be your man's father. I would have thought. And like, I, I, it's it's a god. I presume it. There must be that. But and I was like, wow, you are just a massive prick. Because then it's it's just like in the the last film we did is like, oh, he's gonna get killed. So, um, and I also kind of got the impression that because she's like, oh, I need to talk to you about something. And he's just like, oh yeah, I'll t- I can talk to him. Like he's just being a smarmy dick. He just wants to like chip the face off her and stuff. I thought that she was going to say like she's pregnant, and then that would. Come I out. did think that that was coming I as th- well. I thought that that was going to happen, and it would be like he'd get killed, or, or I was going to think he'd fully like hide behind her, and like the beast would like sniff and like I'm going to leave you off. So, but you know, and that wouldn't really be it, and they'd think they're crazy. But it goes a different directions too. Yeah. So what? What is it? The raw destroys the kid's toy. And then wanders off in the same direction that the the two he's had wandered off, in. He's dragging off the farmer's body with them. Yeah, he is. So the, and the kid kind of runs after them as well. Yeah. So he he sees Rawhead and he runs back. And there's a bit about that where he knocks on a neighbor's caravan and, uh, and he just kind of help him, but he he won't say yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, and then the girl, you know, they're you know having the kisses and stuff and then the deep comes after them and it's like he goes to him you see a thing and you're not really sure it looks like he's going for your man's arm because they're like holding hands and running oh off i and i knew that was coming when i saw it but yeah. one thing before that is that uh when the the girl storms off you see your man like zip up his fly so he was obviously expecting a lot more to be happening out there Oh no, he was chancing his arm like you know because because um he like does up her blouse as well um, because yeah. you go, oh, there's someone here. He, he's he's just fully going. I don't care, you know. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so so they're running away, and they're all kind of like looks to bite down on something, and then the girl gets yeah, in like and a, starts a flash of his arm or something like that, and then it cuts, and you see her running out alone, and she's going like that, and he goes, "Where's like my fella?" And then you realize she's still holding onto his severed hand. <laughs> Yeah, she just realised that he's gone and he just, she just has the hand. It was fucking great. It was really funny. That was really funny. And I, mean, I don't think it was supposed to be played as funny, but how can that not be funny? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure I've seen that in other movies, but it was still pretty good here. Yeah, I think it's, it is like kind of a, an underused trope, but I thought that was very funny. I, I genuinely laughed pretty hard at that. Like, I mean, I, they're all like reacting terribly, but I suppose at this point they know something is up. Um, you know, because it it then kind of cuts to sorry, it kind of cuts then to like the the guards kind of turn up, don't they, to the campsite? Uh, well, I think what happens next is um, isn't it when Helen Beck goes for a walk? He goes, he's going for a smoke, and then he sees like the beast up in the the mountains, isn't it? He's just like up on a hill, or even like yeah, a high wall. It's it's hard to tell what it actually is. But I love what happens is that he he takes out his fag, he lights it. 
then he looks up and sees uh, Rawhead. He drops the fag, and rather than running immediately, he kind of has a moment of realization that he dropped the fag and tries to pick it up, and oh, then runs it. off. And it's just like, oh, that's right. it's like fuck the, the horse-headed monster staring at me. I just dropped my fag. He's <laughs> like, fuck's sake. I, I'm terrified, but I have a horrible nicotine addiction. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just very funny. Oh, because like it gets like the guard scenes as well. They're all everyone is smoking heavily in this film. Like it's definitely the eighties. Like I don't know if oh, you yeah. should be smoking c- cigars on a, in a bloody crime scene. Yeah. So then I don't think they called the police yet because it's the the people in the caravan park who are yeah, sorry, searching for I, the the, bo- I got this the mixed, people. I got this mixed up a bit just because we talked about everybody. This film is disjointed. Like I have my notes and everything else here, but it's still a bit unclear even in my head. And I watched this like not too long before we recorded this, but it's still like jumbled up, and it, it, it's just really annoying that that happens. Yeah, it, it jumps around a lot. So they find the farmer's body first, and then they send one lad back, and he finds the 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 lad from the camper van's body as well. Yeah, and uh, I think that's when they decide to call in the guards. Yeah, and then the the ant goes in and he tells the the shades like the guards he what he saw and like the detective gives him he's just like yeah you're talking bollocks mate and then his partner's like maybe we should listen to him um and he's like nah and he, he like drops his fag in his cup of tea oh yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's actually being a dick funny. he's a he's a prick but that was a very funny bit i i, I really laughed when that happened yeah um so then the yank goes back to the the church again and he's like trying to translate the latin on the the sign it's just like yeah um, he's starting to figure out that there's something about what it can't be or something like that yeah which uh, i suppose then, brings it back to the whole uh pregnant women thing and giving birth life and all that yeah and then like o'brien comes in and basically gets really aggressive and destroys his camera and then he like intimidates him and he brian comes very submissive and he's just telling him to fuck off and he's like oh I'll fuck off so and then he goes in and sees the reverend he's like oh yeah the records are disappeared mate i don't know what's happened and he's like grant i'm off to dublin so with the family and they head off um then we get to the bad parenting too. oh yeah so first off isn't it the wife sees a scarecrow and so they pull back and uh, obviously, it's not Rawhead, and they yeah. drive off again. But then Minty, poor old little Minty, needs a piss, and so they just pull over, and it's like, well, why no, out no, there is behind the bush? Look, no, because like the the first thing is uh, she says, "I have to go," and he's like, "We're not going back." And he's like, and she mother just goes, "You should have thought of that before we left." And I was like, you know what kids are like? They're, they're you know they need that. So like, yeah, yeah just, was... not even at the side of the road. He just goes pretty bad to, to start. Went to the field there, and uh, and then she mother just goes, "Oh, you can look after yourself." Then go off. Like she's clearly like about three or four. Or so. I, she's not that old. Yeah, I can't like, imagine she's more than five. But yeah, you because know, like because like in the hotel bit, like you know, she's like literally has her up and is like holding her, like rocking her to sleep almost. Um, yeah, Jesus Christ! Like just like bring your child out to do their business in the bushes like yeah especially so, when there's some murderer running around killing people like i'm sorry they're both really shit parents <laughs> yeah i mean look at least the dad follows up anyway and i deny i think it was like a, it's like the, the, the kind of clever bit of misdirection where she goes in behind the bushes and she screams and the two of them run over and it's like oh it's just a dead rabbit there and yeah, the, the 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 dad is like looking back and then you see like his son robbie's in the car and in the 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 raw head just turns up and he's like reaching in and stuff and he starts screaming and then because it has like looking back but it's slightly obscured and he can't see that eventually he's like running back and he gets caught in the the kissing gate um yeah. and he can't and then the the beast just goes off with robbie and then chases he's like chases after him into the woods and can't see and i was like oh crap he's actually killed a child yeah yeah that guy really uh 
really dark real fast. I think like it even left his foot there or something, or maybe it was just the shoe, but it looked like I his entire it, foot. I think it was just his shoe, but there was a lot of blood there. So it's like, oh, and like, yeah, too, did that child actor is credit. He did genuinely come off as terrified. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was mad stuff. Uh, so I think they, they head back to the town then uh, to try to figure something out. Yeah, and then uh, it's like he's given out to the guards and then like they get the picture from the young fella from the caravan site. Yeah, and it actually is raw The head. monster. And then he's like, I fucking t- told you, you know, it's like about they should listen to me. He's like, all right, maybe I should have. Um, just to say as well about the kid, like he has the most 80s Irish haircut I've ever seen. So he's got like the oh, fringe. Yeah. And like he's got a mullet and a fringe, like gel down fringe over, like down to his eyes. I'm like, my God, that is like Ireland in the 80s right there. It's that is a hell of a haircut, too. Yeah. Uh, is it around then he, he heads back to the church again? Because I yeah, have a he quote. Goes, yeah, he goes back to the church. And he's talking to, to the actual priest who's not crazy. Um, but I have a, a great quote that he says. It was just like one of the best lines in the movie is, uh, yeah. I don't believe in the devil, but something started the rumor. Yeah, that was quite good. I, I would say as well, like this is the part where like David Dukes actually, yeah, I said the right name, David Dukes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, David, the actor, as I will now call him. Um, he's actually gets, he's actually decent enough in this part. Like I, he has like a very good bit where he's getting angry at the two detectives. Like he actually emotes. He's actually got like some feeling. Yeah. He actually is like starting to show that he can actually act pretty well. Um, it's, it, it just takes like literally his son to die for him to actually start acting coherently. <laughs> but um, you know, he's like uh, to, to give him his credit, he he does show that he is one of the best actors in this film at this point. He's he's good at doing angry, um, less so a kind of normal, but he comes across <laughs> quite well in this. Very passionate. Yeah. Um, you know, he did he did a really good job. One thing I found really distracting about him is his hair. Yeah, it's. I don't know very... what it was. It, it looked kind almost of, knitted or something. It was just really perfect. Uh, maybe it was like some kind of weird perm thing that they were doing in the eighties, but it was just almost yeah, a, no, like it, a like a Lego hair that had just been like clipped onto him. It just—I I actually was thinking um, the Irish wrestling podcast OSW. So they have like a there's a referee they call Lego Ref because he has the exact same hair like that. All oh, right. <laughs> so I, I was thinking of that, but it, it just like he must have killed about three moose to get his hair like that to do like with the whole. And then like putting on the hair gel and everything else, like I think if you if you threw him off the top of that church, his hair wouldn't move. Yeah, so it's so around this get... time in the movie where everything kind of kicks off. Yeah, with the, in like uh... the last thirteen five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 ramps up real quick. So Raw attacks the the caravan park. He flips over a caravan, which was hilarious. And then like the old fella who was like drinking, uh, he gets like whipped out the door. And then like he drags, this is kind of the bit where it's it, like a little bit dodgy. He grabs like one of the other girls out the window and like rips off her top. Oh yeah, that was hilarious. And you just see like, it's like, oh my God, oops, like, what the fuck? Yeah, and, I mean, it, 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 it's yeah. when you're not expecting that in the movie and then out of nowhere, it's like, you know what this scene needs? Someone to be topless. It's like, it's ridiculous. It's like, this is a horror movie. Why, why is this happening? It was just very funny. But one part no, that also know, made me laugh. But it just comes out of nowhere. It's just so oh, yeah, it's, like that is entirely gratuitous and unnecessary in this film. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but as well, that like you see that the the people who are living in the caravans actually start trying to like physically fight raw head wrecks. Oh, they go for him like, and he's like battering them off. And one guy takes out a shotgun and like fires at him and clearly has no effect and he like shoots yeah. is he like i don't know if he's like deliberately shooting like one of the, the gas canisters next to the caravan but there's a big explosion then anyway yeah but it's just it's so funny it's like 
that whatever this thing is clearly isn't human and it just flipped a caravan over with its bare hands and you decided to punch it in the stomach. Well, I mean, I think it was like they were all kind of drinking. Maybe they had a bit of Dutch courage too. Oh, well, it clearly didn't help. But yeah, uh, the one funny thing I noticed as well is that during this whole thing, they, they're kind of uh, cutting back and forth between the, the caravan park and the Garda station. Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed it, Rob, but is that Garda station... Sign? No, no, no. That Garda station is in the daytime. Oh, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, you can you can see like streaks of light coming in from windows because like oh, it, it's God. all of the cameras are facing away from the window, but you can see like strips of light coming in. And it's like, no, this is clearly daytime in this scene. And then it's like cutting back to Rawhead rampaging around in the pitch dark. I did think that it was a bit bright, but I just figured that was like, you know, the studio. Like, I, I thought that was like, they, they obviously shot that on a set. So I think it was fine. But I did, I just thought you were getting at, there's like a massive no smoking sign there. The two detectives are like puffing away every five minutes. Yeah, look, it, it might've been a soundstage or whatever, but it just, it, like you could tell that there was some external light source coming through the windows there, just like to briefly about the Garda station, I mentioned, mentioned like you can tell it's County Wicklow because it says like County Wicklow sheep tipping regulations 1984. But right. there's also like a bunch of other like very funny kind of like very kind of accurate signs. This is like, is your best friend worth the fiver? Like for dog licenses, there's like a little, even there's a little box thing for like where to get the dog license forms and everything else. Um, and there was something else there about it. It, I, it was up in the background. I think it's actually behind when the. Um, the Yank is like in there talking to the guy, the sergeant, about where's Detective Gisham. Like the, the wife is like there holding the daughter. There's like a sign behind her. It's just like, your best friend could be a killer. It's like, keep your dog inside. And I and I was going like, is that deliberate kind of a little thing? I think I, I think it wasn't, but I, I thought they were kind of making a point of having that over the wife's head. But I probably was reading too much into this as I regularly do. Maybe. I mean, look, Ireland has some ridiculous stuff. I mean, I think I've told you ages back that uh, I had to go up to the tax office once so I was just reading some of the literature that they had just to keep myself busy when I was waiting. And uh, one of the, the, the leaflets that they had was the rules of the road for riding a horse. You, well, it's Limerick, I mean. You know. I know, yeah. It's just, you know, I, I can't imagine any other country where that would be uh, very necessary, especially in the tax office. But there it was for me. Yeah, I, I think just like for our foreign listeners, which is quite a lot of you. Um, it's We've well, said this before, it's like not terribly uncommon to see horses on the road in Ireland, strictly like with the car- like a horse and trap, we'd say kind of like a little carriage behind them, particularly down where we're from in Limerick. It's quite common. Yeah, I think I, I kept it there somewhere. It was a funny little leaflet showing you how to you know signal if you're turning off to the left or right and roundabouts and stuff. Just like have the horse's tail like flick in the direction you're, you're going to turn. <laughs> well, no, unfortunately, it's hand signals, Rob. <laughs> so back to the movie anyway. Um I think the next big thing that happens is when they when the guards get there or no the the guards are but trying guard- to catch up to Rawhead because he runs away, isn't it? Yeah, and then it, it's just like he runs off because he's after massacring everyone at this this yeah. caravan halting so whatever it's supposed to be. Um and like, there's a lot of people like running around severely injured from the explosion and him and bits of bodies around. It's pretty gruesome. Um and then they're like oh, we're going to go off to get in this way. And then gets him and like the detective and his sergeant start like driving in the car. And then the beast like reaches in and gets him, but like he doesn't kill him because the other guard, guard just drives off terrified. He, but he like hypnotizes him. Um, yeah, he, he enslaves him or whatever like, he, he did to O'Brien or whatever. And yeah. then, but no one else knows that. He doesn't really do anything. It only comes up a bit later, but yeah. Yeah, so, so he kind of, we don't see much of him for a while then. But uh, So then the they, next... they're like, sorry, go ahead. Go on. Uh, the next big thing that I have written down, because it was possibly the weirdest shit that I've ever seen, 
in a horror movie, and I've seen a lot of horror movies, is um the the purser beats yeah. Rawhead and uh kneels down while the, the <laughs> proper priest is watching from around the corner as Rawhead Rex pisses on him. Yeah, this is genuinely baffling. Um like he describes it later to the priest like, Oh, he baptized me. Yeah. And it's like, all right. That's fine, but like this is genuinely really, really weird. Like, I mean, look, not to king shame anyone. It was just an odd choice for the movie. Yeah, because like, we get O'Brien's gone mad at this point. You can see, you know, the creature's eyes, and he he's like clearly possessed or something. He's gone mad. But like this was just, I get like they had to do like a scene where like the the priest like knows he's gone mad and goes in, and then. Then it gets really kind of weird because it's like O'Brien's like going in there and he's he's destroyed the church. He's like, you know, damaging it. And then he's like, oh, you got to join my master. And like the priest goes down and finds the records and sees like the old pictures of him. Yeah, yeah. There's um, loads of historical evidence or documents of yeah. Rawhead from however long ago. And then it's just like he's just given out and he's like, you're a man of God. You can't be doing that. And he's like, oh, my God is there. And then it's like... um do then go up, back up out of the crypt and back to the church and then he's like the priest is like uh, uh well he's too scared to come in here like why is he and he's like at the door and he, he, i was thinking like they're gonna go with, oh he can't come into like sacred ground kind of a thing yeah that's what i thought as well at the time and then like he gets the cross and it's like pointing out the, the <laughs> bro i just like rips the cross out of his arm and kills him. yeah <laughs> then the guards sacrilegious too <laughs> yeah so the guards turn up and Rawhead wanders out holding the, the priest in his arms. The guards somehow have a load of, I think, submachine guns or something like that. Oh, like they have a proper, like, submachine guns and assault rifles. Like, yeah. But yeah, I, but I, they... I, I, maybe it's the army or something like that, but I don't know. They have a load of guns anyway. I think there, this was actually a gaffe because the... They use the wrong the uniforms. You know, it's not even... No, it's not that the, the, the Gardaí uniform all says, like, police on it, whereas yeah. obviously it would say Gardaí. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a couple of. I, I mean, I don't think it's they went to entirely inaccuracy in, in, in this film too. Yeah. In any case, uh, so they won't shoot because uh, Rawhead is holding the priest, um, and like the other detectives, like, oh, he's still moving, he's still alive, and then Gissom like turns up and like skulks, and he gets like two things of petrol out of his car and like throws them on the ground down towards the the guard cars. And like after like Rod like throws down the the priest and he's like he's like you know like, all right get ready to shoot one two and then like gets like lights them on fire and they burn and like everyone's like running around genuinely on fire which is like, yeah geez. and like then the inspector wanders over burning and fucking like kneels down in front of Rawhead and it's just it's a mad scene. I thought he like I totally thought like Rod was gonna like piss and then it would like put the fire out or something like that. Well, I mean he had to he'd have had to taken a drink like I mean he can't do that twice. Yeah, it was it was just really because like you know, like, like he's gone mad and he's like on fire and all this and it's just like Jesus because like they're genuinely in this and like there's about four or five people running around on fire like it it looks like they did that for real with stuntmen. Oh yeah, of course. Like there's Crazy. no way to do that back then. But yeah, so then uh, the Yank shows up and uh, he finds the the priest who's still alive somehow and kind of says that there's something in the altar because he had he had touched it as well earlier on and it burned his hand. But, uh, yeah, we forgot to mention that the priest like touched the altar and like burned his hand, but he, he only had like a brief vision. But he like took his hand off it pretty quick, and it's like he's looking at the the blisters on it and everything. Yeah, so uh, the ant goes inside anyway, and I think he has a another bit of a confrontation with your man, doesn't he? 
O'Brien is there and the, the two of them are having a scrap and O'Brien seems to have gotten much stronger like he has like supernatural powers he like belts him halfway across the, the, the altar Um, it's kind of worth working out as well that he's we, we, we didn't really mention this and this goes against like how mishmash parts of the film are because it's, it's actually hard even though I have notes in front of me it's really hard to keep track of parts of this so He's worked out that the the really weird stained glass image that has like the the, the red coming through in the eyes. It's oh, like yeah. there's like bits of it that are incomplete because like he asked the reverend, "What's the story with these weird stained glass windows?" and he and he says, "Well, they've been like rechanged a lot of times." He said they were like knocked out in the 1860s or a lot of damage done to the church, so they kind of rebuilt it. And he kind of works out that. Um, they took bits of the windows and kind of put them together, but it's it's like in the yeah, wrong, put together wrong yeah yeah because like there, it's basically the, the stained glass one like shows the depiction like how to the beast coming up and him being defeated but it's one of the other stained glass windows that has like the incomplete bit of showing someone holding up a rock or something and that's what it that, that's what's going to cause the beast to go away so he kind of surmises that there must be some he said it looks like a sword or like a rock or something to his wife that can defeat the beast and put it back so anyway he's he's kind of going in looking for it and he must recock on a cop that there's something in the altar that'll do that so Brian fights him anyway and scraps him and whatever else and he touches the altar and burns his hand and he you know there's something there so he eventually like uses one of the the candle candle sticks to, yeah. to open it up and like it's this red light and smoke coming out of it and it seems to be like really hot and he can't look at it he flips it open and then it goes off and he gets this stone out of it which is I don't know, like, like a figurine or something is it I, I think it's vaguely shaped like a, a pregnant woman uh, yeah from what like, I saw it, of it. it it looked feminine anyway yeah um so he, he does kill o'brien though doesn't he at this point no sorry he doesn't o'brien goes out after the the rawhead and then rawhead kills him but that's what he wanted because he says oh he's going to kill me and it's going to be great so he gets what he wants oh yeah, yeah. sorry yeah um so then like bianca's like holding the stone over his head and like rawhead is clearly like scared by it and he's like oh come on work work damn you work and it doesn't and then like right just batters him um and knocks him over and then like his wife turns up for some reason and then he's like to her is like jesus get away like he's, he's gonna do something you know? i mean so rob you're, for, like, you're forgetting actually that the yank was doing some classic fucking uh combat roles oh, like he he's was. the only one who who held his metal own gear against Ryan? Metal Gear it's Solid like, rules, dude. Jesus Christ! Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Dark Souls games, but just oh, the amount of yeah. roles that you do. It's, like, it's a combat roll out of any situation. You just like someone's swinging at you, just combat roll away. I was thinking like a you know, Metal Gear Solid, where like Snake can do like a roll or something like that. It was reminded me of that. Yeah, but like any roll and it's a complete miss, and it's just it's yeah. that kind of thing where he's just rolling around, but he eventually gets hit, and his wife, who must have left their infant daughter in the police station on her Hello. own because the sergeant is he met him at the he's like the only guard that hasn't been burned to death basically so yeah that's like maybe she left her in the car because that that went fine the last time you left one of your kids in a car yeah, yeah. That, that's actually a fair plot point i didn't even cop that <laughs> it's just ridiculous so then like she picks up the rock and it, it starts glowing and stuff and it and because we're gonna cops oh it, it, it must be a, a woman must have to hold it and then there's like light shooting out of it and yeah, it's classic like, 80s CGI and then like the pillars start lighting up and then this like maiden and like this red dress kind of glows in over her head or something like that yeah which once again I thought that was when the, the old lady would have come back in and had something to do with yeah, it but it wasn't it, it just that really never went anywhere that I, was I mean really I suppose then. if I were kind of reconstruct, reconstructing the script maybe the old woman went to the police station 
and told her that she had to go and maybe she stayed there with the kid would be the only kind of logical thread as to why the, the mother decided to go. Yeah, because she just turns up like I can get like that the Yank must go there with the sergeant or like he drives there or something. But how does she get there? Yeah, so I, I would only imagine that there there must be a deleted scene where the, the elderly woman we saw before comes to her and is like, no, no, you need to be there to do this. Yeah, it just seems like there's a few bits missing here. And like, and I, I think it, it really makes this confusing. Like, I mean, we, we've been struggling to follow uh, some of this just because of how much it jumps around, even though we have like two pages of notes in front of both of us. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it starts um, working. So anyway, anyways. that happens. Yeah. And then they, he gets thrown like through a, you kind of, it's like he almost like melts back and stuff like that. It, it, like, yeah, he definitely kind of like smaller. shrinks and, and looks older and kind of shriveled and then, up. And then the Yank starts hitting him with a stick or something for some reason. I think it's like he was reaching out or grabbing her or something. I, I can't exactly. It was yeah, hard to it, see what he was doing. But he just starts whacking him with something anywho. And then like he falls into the ground and it gets buried under like yeah, some, stuff. some weird cavern underneath the, the graveyard that hasn't been seen before maybe it was the magic of the the idol but he kind of gets buried oh. but of course the wife drops the fucking idol then down with and him, it falls it? into the hole into yeah, yeah. so <laughs> great idea to 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 lose it yeah uh, then we get like uh, unless i'm missing something here because i just have like it's it cuts to like in the future and like you hear them singing hymns in the church again and like the young fella from the caravan park is like putting flowers and you presume like with the names like that must be like his brother or I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, think it's his father. I don't it's think I followed this, but well, no, whoever it was. You're given his name. He's like, he's the, the kid of the Johnson. And it's like, that's John something Johnson. So he's, they're definitely related anyway. I presume it's his yeah. elder brother. I'm not really sure. No sign of the girl, but anyway. And next thing it just cuts to the beast just jumping out of the ground. Yeah. So and that's, that's kind of the end. <laughs> Uh, interesting film. Jesus Christ Almighty! Um, uh, didn't get the sequel that it was hoping for. Clearly, good. Quite, quite frankly, good. <laughs> but as you said before, possible reboot. I'd be interested to see it. I hope they do it in Ireland and do it substantially better. Um, what do you think, Sos? Do like the thing is, I kind of enjoyed it because of how ridiculous it was. But I can't give it a crack of gold, so it's definitely a crack of shite. Oh, I'd have to go a crack of shite as well. Like. There were things in it that were funny, but this was a serious film. But the thing about it is, though, I like films that are so bad they're good, as I've said in this podcast before. And, you know, this wasn't that, though. This genuinely was too shit to be good, um, is what it is. So, like, the editing, the direction, they let the film down so much that, like, we're struggling to follow the plot of it with, like, having stuff written in front of us and having seen the film that's not a good sign like i i think this could be potentially edited together with like deleted scenes and things like that and some other choices that it would at least be more coherent it might be a bit longer but i, I don't think an hour and a half long it's it wouldn't really hurt that much but i think that lets it down so much that even the the kind of how shit the creature costume is some of the questionable acting in it some of the weird decisions taken in it would be would be kind of funny and they would kind of lend credence to it being so bad it's good but because the basic filmmaking itself isn't good and is really lacking in places that just puts it down too much that it, it, it makes it just a terrible film. I think. Yeah. It, it had potential to be a kind of schlock classic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that kind of like, as you said, so bad, it's good, but it just never really got there in the end. I think you could do like 
you know, like the everyone knows the room is kind of the main example of a so bad it's kind of good film. And like they made like the disaster artist based about Tommy Wiseau and that. I'd like to see someone to like do something similar about this, just like kind of a making of it and just like generally try and make it into something like that. I could see that working, but this was too too shit to be bad, if you know what I mean. So it can't be so bad it's good because it's just shit. Yeah, it's just it, terrible. It was poor. It was interesting. There was in terms of Irish stuff, there was a few good bits. Obviously the accents were quite good overall, I think. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's funny that, because most people in this film were Irish, actually, um, so there wasn't really an issue with, with, with accents and the like, but um, the, the, the issue we have with accents is actually American accents, which, which is funny. Yeah. It's kind of almost the opposite of why we set up this podcast. But uh, I'm also yeah, I mean, the, overall, the, the three farmers from the start were probably the highlight, just in terms of, you know, the, Oh, the dinner's on the table. They, they, that was very funny. And I looked like the, the old Massey Ferguson, like the uncovered one pulling that out. That was very good. I, I mean, I wish you had more time with them. Yeah, they, like, they should have been characters throughout the whole thing because even like, I assume that their lines must have been on, like not unscripted, but uh, ad-libbed at the time because like those are very Irish phrases to be saying. I think they kind of let them sort of work out their own bits I, I I definitely get the impression that while Clive Barker may have done some of the scripting and things like that I, he's English or is, is he Clive Barker I don't know uh, I couldn't tell you actually <laughs> yeah I'm not sure but I, he's not Irish as far as I'm aware I'd, I'd be shocked if he was but um, it seems like there was a little bit of input from maybe some of the actors into kind of what um, to make yeah it's from Liverpool Irish. oh yeah there you go okay so maybe there's a bit of Irish in there but uh, yeah I mean I, I think overall the actors, some of them were quite good. Like I, I think I said, like um, David, uh, surname redacted, so I don't make an error. Did when he in the last third of the film, he really became you know a much better actor just because he got angry, he got passionate, like because his son had been killed, and you know he actually is like he's actually a good actor. I think even O'Brien is a the guy who played him is very good at going batshit insane. <laughs> so it's um it overall I think the acting was grand in parts. There were like you know the farmer's wife, she was a bit wooden, but anyway. Um and the kids were as competent as they could be really. But yeah, I I I don't think the acting really was at fault here. It was the thing. I really put it more at the editing and the direction. Um even like the special effects which weren't great. I'm willing to say it's fine. You know, what did you really expect when the creature looks like that? So yeah, that's I think I read really... that they, they only had four weeks to actually make the costume, so that's probably why it looked as shit as it did. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. I, I did like the thing like where how like it, it's, they had like nails extending and kind of shots. That's At least they tried to do something with it. Yeah, it was a little interesting. So anyway, that's pretty much it for the movie. Uh, next week, I'm going Go to be doing a report. Film. Look, watch it if you like. Uh, you can find it in a couple of places on the internet. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, next week, I'm going to be doing a a big report on the Irish history of Halloween. So, kind of how how what we know of as Halloween today started in Ireland, however many thousands of years ago it did. Yep, under under a church. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it all started with the monolith being knocked down. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an Irish thing, um, and you'll, you'll hear more about it next week. So stop culturally appropriating us Americans. <laughs> Don't start that, Rob. <laughs> yeah so um well I, I suppose at least we got some interesting podcast out of um out of a terrible film yeah and uh hopefully it sounded all right and uh yeah we did our best anyway because we're, we're not like 
next to each other. So I, 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 we, we're not sure if it's going to lose a bit of chemistry and a bit of us bouncing off each other. But I think this went well. Hopefully, well, everything the audio quality is good as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, thanks for listening. Anyway, guys. Um. As usual, please tell a friend if you enjoy this podcast and give us some feedback. We read everything that you send in, and we really appreciate it. You can reach us at Gmail at talkingblarneypod at gmail dot com, and you can reach us on Twitter at blarneypod at is the Twitter name, and give us a shout on that. And we do read everything. We haven't been as active on the Twitter as we sh- we really should be. Um. We're going to make sure that we start sharing the episodes on Twitter again, and probably you know on facebook and things like that we maybe we'll even set up an instagram page i don't use instagram but you know we'll do something but anyway but uh so for me it's goodbye see you next week guys okay ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>